Okay, we're on the bottom of Gimel Amad Beis, 3b, and uh, we want to know why we would have thought that a woman who is normally forbidden to be married, just because a person's brother married that woman, and the person's brother died without children, but still, if you're not allowed to marry such a woman, why would I think uh, you could marry her, that we need a Pusik to tell you that you can't? So the Gemara explains a very important concept of essay dochalos essay. We sometimes find that uh, mitzvahs sometimes conflict. You sometimes have one mitzvah says, uh, go and marry your brother's wife, and the other one says, don't marry that woman that you're related to. So that's the reason we had the dilemma, because we had an essay and we had a los essay. So we might have thought one pushes off the other. So... Um, that's where we left off. Let's start five lines from the bottom. And again, this is, uh, comes up in several places in the Torah. So uh, we'll hold questions till the end if we can. Time it, uh, the reason is, um, let's see, time it, akasa rechmana aleha. The reason that we know over here that he can't marry her is because the Torah teaches you aleha that we don't allow a forbidden relationship to do a yivam. Halav hachi. If we didn't have the drasha of Aleha, Havamina, that's what that hey Aleph is, I would have thought, I would say, go ahead, marry your wife's sister. My time, I, Torah says, not a good idea to marry two sisters, not good. So I would have said, I would say, a positive command, and I say, pushes away the losase. So the Morris says, When is it that one mitzvah can sometimes push off another? Losa say greater. Just a plain and simple, thou shall not. Just a plain, simple, losa say. But over here, there's, there's thou shall not, and then there's thou shall not. There, there's things that you can't do, and then there are things that are so severe, if a person does them, he's totally cut off from a rabbinic Now, the Torah keeps on talking in many places about clinging to Hashem, and Hashem loves us and is close to us. The supreme penalty is to be cut off from one's, that's chorus. Over he, it's certain relationships, if a person marries their mother-in-law or their daughter or one of these people, the Torah says, not only shouldn't you do it, if a person were to do such a thing, they'll be cut off. Uh, Why would I think over here that he should marry this woman uh, who's very related to him, who's, a, who's an erva? That's the question. Why would I have thought? And the next question, and in general, where do you get the idea, why should one mitzvah Trump another. How do you know that you can ignore a mitzvah just because you have a positive command? It's, a, uh, it, it's almost like if you have, you're going to vote and you speed and the cop pulls you over and says, you're not supposed to be going that... Uh, he said, well, I was doing a mitzvah. I was going to vote. <laughs> See how that one flies. <laughs> uh, you say, I say the mitzvah to vote should override the sin of going over the speed limit, right? No, not a good analogy because you'd have to do, there'd have to be something prohibited. Oh, shekel, yeah, we but going to the voting poll is a different action, sort of related, but it's not exactly there. I see. Okay. It's a, All right. But, uh, but again, you have to know, where do you know that in the Torah that a positive command can push off a negative? So that's, now we're going to jump into a whole new, uh, we're going to spend at least, um, at least half a page on this whole new subject of essay docha losase. 
So the source is fascinating, and you have to try to figure out why this would be the source, but it's in the following. And normally, the Torah says, Lo silbo shotness. Do not wear forbidden mixtures in your clothing. Do not wear shotness. Don't, don't wear wool and linen together. And then, right next to it, it says, Gedilim tasalach. And then the, right next to the parsha of don't wear tzitzis, the Torah says, I'm sorry, don't wear shotness, the Torah says, but put on your tzitzis. Now, what does putting on your tzitzis have to do with not, thou shalt not wear shotness? It's telling you that even though normally you're not allowed to wear wool and linen, you are allowed to have a wool and linen talus. You're allowed to have shotness in your talus. Rashi, lo silbo shotness. Vesamakale, right next to top Rashi on the page. Right next to it, it says gedilim tasa. What do you call a gedil, a, um, a corners? A, uh, a strand. A strand, yeah, make a strand. Uh, it's the tzitzis are a gedil. They're making, uh, put, put your strings on. Vedashinin. Now, this is, uh, the rule here is a very important rule, uh, and that's called smuchin, that next to each other. That the Torah puts things next to each other for a reason. And that's such an important concept. There, there, almost any pasuk in the Torah is open game. Why are these two things together? Why are they next to each other? We don't always know why things aren't always in chronological order, but there's always a reason one thing is next to the other. There's some parshas where you could spend months on it trying to figure out because it goes from one subject to another to another. But there's no question that there. And again, well, Argomar is going to prove the concept that the fact that the Torah puts two things together must be for a reason. And the Torah put these, and that's called smuchim. So the smuchim, uh, this put, the darshin and smuchim, we darshin the fact that they're together, v'sharin and klein betzitzis, and we permit shatness, another word for shatness is klein, alma ase the positive command of tzitzis pushes off the negative command of not wearing shatness. So that's the source a, a, a case in the Torah where a positive mitzvah pushes off a negative. Well, you know, didn't, didn't and just talk to the Mishara Rabbi about that. I mean, I can't like I can't say, okay, this is next to this, so so gee, this must be permitted here where it wasn't here. I mean, wouldn't there have to be Mishara about that? Perha- yeah, idea? perhaps, probably so. Vom uh, Rebbe Lazar and Rebbe Eliezer taught this concept that the fact that two things are together is for a reason. Uh, again, you can put very many nice divrei Torah together if you, when you start looking for them. Why is this next to that? And then if you, when you find the connection, it's, wow, that's amazing. Something next to something else that's done on purpose, there's a reason why it's next to the other thing. Um, okay. The Omar, another teaching. Uh, so we need some more examples. So the first one is is. Tzitzis, uh, that you're allowed to wear wool and linen tzitzis, the assay of tzitzis pushes off the lowest assay of shatness. What happens? Normally, a woman wants to keep the memory of her husband alive. In fact, there's not even, a, it's almost like we don't even ask the woman. We're just looking to get the brother to see if he's willing to do it. But of course, the widow wants to keep the memory of her husband alive. But there is an occasion where she doesn't want to, uh, it's not that she doesn't want to keep the memory of her husband alive, but uh, the brother-in-law is disgusting, is absolutely repugnant. So in that case, she doesn't, uh, she doesn't want to... Uh, uh, yeah, that's right. So, now in the Gemara, when it wants to talk about somebody who's the most repulsive you can imagine... It's called a mukeshchen, a person who's afflicted with 
leprosy. Yeah, and, yeah his, his limbs are falling off, and uh, he's really, uh, really not not uh, somebody who's like you, you know you would not want to get anywhere near such a person. So Shein Chosmanoso. So you might have thought when she comes to Beisden and she says, uh, "Let's talk about this first. <laughs> oh, we got a great shidduch for you. You know, so and so has got this." Now, the idea that somebody has a contagious disease is enough reason not to want, but the fact that it's just, there, there's flies in their flesh, and it's, it's really awful. Like, when people are losing limbs, it's usually the flesh is deteriorating. It's not pleasant. It's very unpleasant to be, um, to have the flesh deteriorate. So I would have thought, ah, it's not so bad. We don't want, you know, they, they're, the, the way, when somebody comes with a complaint and you don't want to hear it, you shush it up. You're hostmen. You muzzle them. So... I would have thought that, you know, we say, well, it's a mitzvah. Come on. Don't you want to keep your husband's memory alive? Don't you want to give him a shoe? It's not so bad. You know, you don't have to notice that his limbs are falling off. So I would have thought that you muzzle her. So how do you know in this case we don't muzzle her? Uh, Shinamra, it says right next to the Pasuk Shatnis, it says don't muzzle your ox when it's threshing. In other words, what is that? That it's natural when an animal is, is threshing the food that it likes to eat that it wants to eat it. And so when a, a person has something that they naturally would want to use to open their mouth, that's not the time to muzzle them. So in this case, where she's definitely going to have complaints, that's not the time to tell her not to have complaints. Um, where brothers are together, that's the mitzvah yim. So over here, we darshan um, uh, that uh, the smuchen, um, things next to each other, that we don't... Uh, uh, that we don't try to talk this Yavama into marrying her uh, brother-in-law, who's a Mucheshkin. Uh, uh, and fine, so that's another, I, that's a concept that you get from Smuchim. It's interesting that we thought of muzzling the ox to muzzling, uh, muzzling this woman. I don't get it. The deeper concept there is a little hard to... to, to uh, well, brushing in the... Don't try to deny. Oh, I see. That's correct. I hear. Yeah. So in that case, though, she still be a zugukah. He would. She. He would. The rabbis could maybe convince him to give. Yeah, give chalitza. That's correct. Yeah, that's what we did. Consider a woman like an ox, even if she works really hard. Okay. Right. Omer So that's this concept of smukim. Two things next to each other. The 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 yibum is next to the muzzling the ox. Is that you don't. If, if a woman really wants out not to marry, we don't try to shush her and talk her into it. Okay. Now, so there are opinions say that you don't necessarily darshan smuchim. Smuchim, it's, it's cute that two things are next to each other, but we don't actually learn a halacha from it. So, uh, but even the opinion that says that we don't always darshan smuchim bi'alma in general, but in the fifth, in the fifth book of the Chumash, in Mishnah Torah, you do. Where do we see that? We find Rabbi Yehuda typically doesn't darshan two things next to each other. And in Mishnah Torah, he does. And where do we see this whole discussion? Where, where is there a case of two things next to each other? Yehuda says he don't darshan. Let's see. Interesting discussion. Ben Omar. The Torah says, It says, if a person is a practicing witch, just ask the people in Salem, uh, that you're not supposed to let them live. Uh, meaning, don't. Uh, that's a uh, you prosecute a person who does official witchcraft. And again, it's supposed to drown them with the stones. Okay. Um, Salem, they drown them. Oh, they drown them? And, really? And then they thought 
If they, if I thought they, they hung them. That means they were really witched. If they didn't, they burned them. Yeah. Ah, they burned them, right? Yeah. Ah, uh-huh. You're right. You're remembering the Wizard of Oz, where they poured water on her, and she—that's uh, what you do to the witch, right? I think that's a, she melted. That's right. No, that's they say a joke, but they, and it's not a joke. They used to take the witch and put her in the water, and okay. she would drown. They said that means she's a witch. Uh-huh. She never is. It says Mark Lo says so. The bottom line is, it says you're not supposed to let her live. And right next to it, it says somebody that lies with an animal also most yamus. So, um, so some. What do the two have to do with each other? One is a, a concept. Witchcraft is is a, a typically a form of idolatry, um, the way it was practiced. Uh, but what does it have to do with the, the lying with an animal? It's next to each other. My shokim behema, and the Torah tells us what the penalty is for people that lie with an animal. You stone them. So it's giving you an idea of how you do with the witch, that she gets stoned. So we darshan smuchim that tell us, the Torah says to kill her, but it doesn't say how. The smuchim tells us the how is with stoning. So the Gemara says, Omer le Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says, because you have a nice drush, you're going to stone this lady? You can't, that's not a good proof. You can't, in order to stone somebody, you have to have a strong, the Torah has to say it directly, just because, oh, this is next to that. All right, let's get the stone. And I, you can't, you can't, you, it, it, it sounds nice, but it doesn't, uh, just because it's next to each other, that's not a strong enough rule to tell you what to do with this woman. That's, uh, that's not a legislation. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a drusha, so to speak. It's a nice thought, but it, it can't prove a practical halacha about it. just because you think that those two things are together, you're going to stone this lady? Ella, so what do you do? Ella over you don't The answer is the Torah talks about necromancers and uh, magic and and uh, witches velama yota. And why does the Torah give you uh, specify certain ones? It's telling us that how do you punish these people with stoning afmashefa so he doesn't want to learn from the smuchim, the next to each. He agrees that you stone her, but he's saying it, you need a better proof than that. And so he learns it from the, uh, from the necromancer. So basically we see there that he doesn't, Rabbi Yehuda didn't accept smuchim. He didn't accept that that was enough uh, to stone her. And where do you see in Mishnah Torah that you do have smuchim? The Tanan. Uh, this is the following. And this is, again, in Devarim. What happens if a person's father uh, had a girlfriend? Can, you, can a person marry the father's girlfriend? Or if a person's son had a girlfriend? And I mean that he had relations with this woman. So you're not allowed to marry your father's wife, and you're not allowed to marry your son's wife. Can you marry a woman who a person's son had, had, had uh, a relationship with, or his father? So that's called the anusis aviv, mafutis aviv. Now, anusa means that she wasn't so willing. Uh, mafuta means that she agreed to it. Again, it's not really relevant what, whether she... Uh, the, the bottom line is the father or the son had, had uh, a relationship with this woman. And in certain, certain cases, uh, there could be a lot of women who, who had relations with a son or a father. Or does, that, does that mean they're invalid to be married to this, uh, the son or to the father? So uh, we learned uh, you're allowed technically to marry a woman who who the father had a relations with, or the first opinion says yes, he could. 
person could marry a woman who had relations with his son or with his father? Rabbi Yudha says, no. He says, out of respect for the father, he's not allowed to marry the woman who the father had a relationship with. But we're going to rub my time. How does Rabbi Yudha know it? Because it says, do not marry your father's wife. And then it says, don't reveal uh, the nakedness or the corner of the garment of your father. Knaf, the garment, the shiro uh, aviv that saw the nakedness of your father should not be uncovered by you. So therefore, even though it wasn't through marriage, uh, but in general, a woman who had relations with a person's father should not be married to the son. Would we learn that in the other direction as well? I... Um, apparently doesn't say the same thing by the Even son. That's why I'm wondering. Right, right, right. That's, uh, yeah, the, I, we would have, but it doesn't say it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, is the, uh, how do you know that this uh, daughter of the son, uh, let's just see some Rashis over here. Right in the, 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 towards the bottom, maybe 12 lines up. person could marry uh, the woman who the father convinced to have relations. Uh, the Torah only forbids permanently to a person the father's wife, somebody who the father married, you're not allowed to have a relationship with. How do we know? Um, then we said, that's not the daughter in law. The word um, kala means with a chuppah. That means through a regular relationship. Okay, back to the Gemara. So the bottom line is, uh, we're darshaning smuchim over here to tell you that um, not only can't you marry the father, but you can't even marry his girlfriend. How do we know that it's not his wife? Because the Gemara says, um, uh, how do we know that it's referring to a woman who he coerced? The answer is, from the earlier Pasuk. It says that if a man uh, coerced a woman, he has to pay the father of that damsel. Uh, it says 50 silver coins. And right next to it, it says, a person shouldn't take his father's. And so previously, it wasn't talking about through marriage. It was talking about a woman who was violated out of marriage. And so um, you see that, that because it's next to there, it's teaching us not only is he not allowed to take his father's wife, but he's even not allowed to take his father's relationship that wasn't through marriage. So that's, uh, you see in Mishneh Torah, he darshins smukin. Rabbanin, iavi samach, he says, uh, so uh, why would there even, actually there's an argument over there uh, what the source is. And so why do they argue? The answer is, and, and, and actually the Rabbanin hold that he could marry his father's girlfriend. Why, so why doesn't he darshin smukin? The answer is, there's smukin and there's, there's next to each other and then there's, near each other. He says, if it would have been really right next to each other, then I would have agreed with you. But it's not a perfect next to each other. Because it's got another Pusik in between. Uh, so therefore, there's something else going on over there in that Pusik. Not the, so um, and this is also interesting because sometimes we do look at it as it's overall, it's close. So does it, what about if there's a little, if there's one thing in between, is that still considered close or not? So that opens up the discussion. Okay, yeah, perhaps that's a good way to put it. Now, what is the, uh, so what does he learn over there? He learns out something else. 
if the father of a person um, lost his brother and the father has a Yavama, has a brother's uh, um, um, widow waiting for his sister-in-law, the father's sister-in-law waiting for Yibam, and then the son decides, well, he's going to marry the father's Yavama. So um, I would have thought, uh, so the Torah is telling you that that would be forbidden, even though the father had never had relations with her. But here we're just mentioning a concept that we're going to see many, many times. It's called the kuka, which means that when a, um, a, uh, a person's brother dies without children, and he only has one brother, so that brother has a zakuka to the widow. It means that he's, all, he's like he's engaged yavamic, in, in a yavama sense to that woman. The, and if he decides not to, he's got to give her chalitza. In other words, he's connected. He, he, the Torah has put him in his brother's shoes to marry this woman. And uh, it's al- he's already, it's, it's, it's like he's connected to her. That's what the word zakuka means. And so in this case, it's almost like this is his father's um, uh, destined wife. So maybe the father's going to give her chalitza. We don't know. But he goes and he jumps in and has a relationship with this woman. So he's guilty of revealing a nakedness that was connected to his father. So that's what it's talking about. Now, the truth is, anyways, and this is a double whammy over here because uh, this is his, his, uh, his aunt. In other words, so he's doing two. He, he, he isn't going to be big enough for this guy. He's, he's got his, he's, not only has he married, his, had relations with his aunt, he also had relations with the one who was destined for his father. So he's caused a double problem. Ube Mishnah Torah. There's actually a third problem, which is what's called uh, a woman who's waiting for Yibam isn't allowed to marry anybody until she gets Yibam or Chalitza. Like she's, um, but that, that's, it could even be there's three sins involved. So why is Mishnah Torah... Um, uh, uh, yeah, if she was willing. Yeah, but we said in Mishnah Torah we do darshnit. So what's the reason of Mishnah Torah, my time in the darsh, if you don't always darshan smuchin? So Now we get another concept. That ne- things that are next to each other, that alone isn't enough to start a drasha. A lot of things next to it. Sometimes it, it's, uh, it, doesn't, it's, it could be somewhat random that it's next to each other, or uh, not random, but it's not necessarily coming to teach us something. But there are, everybody agrees if there's another thing that tells you that there's a reason why they're next to each other, then you would darshan. What is that other thing? Either because of what's called muchak, there's an indication that it's coming to teach you something. Uh, and what's that? Um, uh, if you want, you could say, or or if it's totally extra. Something that didn't need to be written at all, and it's written right next to something else, then it's coming to teach you. So in this case, what's the muchak and what's the mufna? If it's true, the Torah could have written, it should have written this by the rest of the forbidden relations. Why did it write it over here? It's coming to tell you um, this halacha. Or, It could have just written, don't marry your father's wife. Why does it mention uncovering the corner? You see that it's extra. Okay. Now, 
Um, let's. Uh, so again, we we finished. Um, we've mentioned the discussion of smuchim that we darshan two things that are next to each other. Vagabe um, tzitzis. Uh, now, what about getting back to the tzitzis? We said not everybody darshan smuchim. Why would we darshan it by tzitzis? Vagabe tzitzis nami. In other words, if you don't hold that being next to each other alone is a reason to darshan it. So. Um, today, now that's the rest of the page. We're going to talk about the tzitzis, uh, the fact that the Torah mentions the shatness prohibition right next to the tzitzis. What does that teach us? And why do we know the darshan that? Gabi tzitzis nami boisem. If you want, you could say there's an indication that you're allowed to have wool and linen tzitzis. Or iboisem mishum de mufna. Or you could say it's totally extra, and that's what's being taught over here. Iboisem, if you want, three lines from the top. Mishum de mufna katsinida din king lictor ramana gabi parshit tzitzis. Why did the Torah could have written the tzitzis, uh, this particular verse of tzitzis, why is it in the middle of shatnis? Why is it here? Clearly it's coming to tell you something about tzitzis and shatnis. It's extra. It says, don't wear a, a clothing of a forbidden mixture. Don't put it on you. So why does it have to say don't wear it? It already said don't put it on you, like don't wear a blanket of shatness. So certainly you can't wear clothing of shatness. Shema bin it's, 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 it, You see it's extra. So Lumoris says, what do you mean it's extra? So we jumped into uh, 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 this. Uh, we're saying that the reason we knew the darshan that you're allowed to wear wool tzitzis on a linen talus, which was normally shatness, is because the Torah put them next to each other. But then we said next to each other, is only good if there's an indication or it's totally extra. And so now we explained it's totally extra. So now the Gemara wants to say, is that true that these verses by the Talus are totally extra? What if I showed you that they're not extra? Then you wouldn't know you need a wool and a Talus. So that's what the Gemara is asking now. Hani mitzvah Who said that these are extra? In fact, I need it for a very important halacha. If the Torah only said, don't put it on you, I would have said you can't have a blanket. Uh, you can't put it on you. What happens? They, they had people that would model the clothing they would sell. So if you're a clothing salesman, can you put on a shot in a suit? Uh, can you be a, uh, you know, they, they used to have model, what, like a mannequin. Can you put on uh, the shot in his clothing? Actually, the Torah only forbids wearing shatnis dumidilavisha, similar to wearing it, that you have a benefit from. It's cold, then you put it on. But if you're putting it on to sell it, uh, that's uh, okay. Um, actually, today they have the question like this Can you try on clothing in a suit store that might be shatnis? So you're not trying it on because you're cold and you want to wear it. You're trying it on because you want to buy it. And so most people would permit it. It goes into that hetter is because you're not wearing it. At the, wearing clothing is to provide warmth or cover your nakedness. Or, but over here, you're not wearing it because you don't want to do either. You just want to see how it looks on you. <laughs> if you, you can try the shyness, buy the shyness, and then just go to the... And then don't the you dare put it on again. Well, if you, until they get the, the shyness thing checked. checked and, and correct. That's right. correct. That's correct. Even though we don't learn any halal. Ask your local rabbi. Okay. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's correct, basically. If it said don't wear, I would have said don't put on the clothing in a way of clothing. There's a lot of benefit to clothing. 
but sometimes somebody throws a blanket on you. That's not always as warm. That, uh, that's not always, the, uh, maybe the Torah doesn't forbid that. So the bottom line is, we actually needed these verses to tell you these important halachas and shatnas. So what are you saying? There's something extra here. The Gemara says there's still something extra. Why? If that's what it wanted to teach you, it could have just said, don't wear the, wear the mix. Why does it have to say, Why does it have to say, wool and linen? We know that that's what shatnas is. How? It says, don't wear a garment of forbidden mixtures. We know the Torah mentions the word clothing. What's clothing? What does clothing mean when the Torah refers to clothing? This is actually quite a, um, it's an interesting halacha. The, the Torah, when it mentions clothing, talks about two fabrics. It talks about wool clothing and linen clothing. But uh, plastic, it doesn't talk about. That came in the, um, 60s. the 60s. Uh, so the question is, they have these... Um, some, some people, they, they, somebody decided to make, thought it would be a very uh, good way to make uh, very lightweight tzitzis out of uh, nylon, I think it's called, or is, is that polyester. It? polyester or the, so would there be a mitzvah to wear tzitzis out of one of those garments? Those, those don't fit the, the uh, Torah definition of a garment. In other words, we can't prove that it fits. It might fit the rabbinic definition of a garment, but uh, the Torah doesn't mention that a polyester suit will do the trick for tzitzis. So even cotton. Or even cotton, correct. Uh, so it says, Samuel Pishtim. I've called Samuel Pishtim. Garments in the Torah are wool and linen. Samuel Pishtim. So then why does it need to write wool and linen? So Shemami, no, it's extra. So that's how we have our drusha to teach you that you're allowed to wear wool and linen for tzitzis. So Umar says, I'll tell you though, Umar's not giving up over here. Who said it's extra? Akati Itzik, I still need it. Why? Silka daitamina Allahu delo nafesh I would have thought to put on shatness yeah, to, is, it's, you don't have a lot of enjoyment from it. Ava levisha, but to wear it, the nafish hanasa, there's more benefit. So, kol tre mili asurachmana. I would have thought any two things are forbidden. Maybe to wear shatness would include other mixtures. Maybe the Torah doesn't want you to mix. Kasurachmana sebro pishtim. No, specifically wool and linen. So, it, it comes out, it needed to be written, otherwise, we wouldn't know. The word klayim actually means just a forbidden mixture. We wouldn't have known exactly which two uh, clothing are, are forbidden. So the Morris said, that's not extra, because in Cain, Lishta Kruminayu, it could have not written anything. Vitesi shatnas shatnas mehalo, and I would have learned from the putting on you what that mixture is. So therefore, um, it is extra. Okay, fine. So it's extra, and that's how we learn. Essay uh, over here that you can wear wool and linen, uh, a wool and linen talus. Uh, it's actually not wool and linen. Well, the, the strings could be made of wool on a linen talus, or the strings could be made of, of uh, flax, um, a linen on a, on a wool talus. The Tani Rebbe Shmuel, time in the Kasa Ramana, and uh, what about the Tani Rebbe Shmuel, who doesn't darshan uh, the smukin? He says, time in the Kasa Ramana, Samro Pishtim. The reason is, it wrote wool and linen. Halav hachi. Um, it had it not written it, Havamina, I would have thought, Halavachi, Klein Betzitzis, Havamina, Asurachmana. I would have thought that you can't wear wool and linen. I, doesn't it say, Vasalam Tzitzis, Alkanfe, Big Dehem? It says, put, now, 
Tzitzis, uh, we're used to the idea of the white strings. The white strings can be made of any material, but what's called tchelis, the blue, has to be wool. Uh, there, there is no other, the, in other words, the, the strings of the tzitzis can be made of anything, but the strings of the, the tchelis have to be wool. So, uh, and it says, and when it says put tzitzis on a garment, that, and, and we had tchelis, it meant put wool on the corner of your garment. So, and if you had a, um, a linen garment and the Torah said put tzitzis on it, it definitely was telling you to put shatness on your garment. And all clothing are wool and linen. And the Torah said put on your tchelis. And what is wool made of? Uh, what is tchelis on? Imra, wool. So Gemara said, and how do you know that uh, the tchelis is wool? When might is chelis imra? How do you know that chelis, the blue string, is on the wool? Midishesh kisna chelis imra, because it mentions two things. So since the the um, shesh is linen, so you know that the chelis the is is the wool. So um, uh, therefore, uh, that you, clearly that's how the Tani Bei Shmuel learns that you're allowed to have wool and linen on tzitzis. So the Morris said, now, by the way, if the tzitzis break, he'll have a problem because then he doesn't have the mitzvah. In other words, if, as long as he's getting the mitzvah of tzitzis, he's allowed to have wool tzitzis, wool tchelis on his linen garment. So it's more dangerous, basically. A little bit, yeah. So the Morris says, but Itzrich, who said it's extra? Um, and to teach you that you can have wool and tzitzis, uh, maybe I, I would have thought, I might have thought that we agree with Rafa. What did Rafa say? Dama Rava, Rava says to Rava, Rambik says the contradiction, it says the knaf, um, it, it says the word garment, uh, and that teaches us that, that it should be min knaf. It should be the kind, the tzitzit should be the same fabric of the garment. In fact, some people, that's what they think, is that you unravel the garment on the corners, that's how you get the strings. Uh, the strings are coming out, they're from the garment itself, min knaf. Because of Sarah Pishta, but then it says wool and linen, which imply that the tzitzis are a totally different fabric. Hakate, so which one is it? Uh, so the answer is Sarah Pishta and Putter, you can put wool and linen on any kind of talus. You can put wool on linen, linen on wool. Sharminim, other kinds of tzitzis, but minim potrin. They can work on the type of garment that you have. Shalobaminim, if they're not on that type of garment, ain't a potrin. Um, so uh, that's correctly. That means if you have a cotton cotton tzitzis, you got to have cotton strings. Yeah. Or or you could still have the woolen. Or you just couldn't have the hair. You couldn't have some other material. Like correct. You, that's correct. Yeah. I but Tani but Tani Bei doesn't necessarily agree with that. So the Morris says uh, it's trick. I'll tell you why. So Rava. Even though he didn't agree with them, you could he at least was was uh, would have thought you could ask that as a question. Haknaf minkanaf. It says it's supposed to be the type of the fabric. Maybe the Torah meant put wool on wool and linen on linen. When you make the wool, so you dyed for the, the blue wool would only be on a wool garment. I might have thought you don't. Even for wool and linen and linen and wool. Um, so, um, uh, again, we're just explaining, is there something extra over there in the Parsha of Sitsis? 
and getting into the nitty-gritty of those halachas. Okay.